good morning guys welcome to my morning thoughts it's day three today and today was a little bit different I uh, I didn't pick up the phone immediately after waking up kind of loafed around in bed a bit I had this urge to check the prices of my investments and actually that's what we're gonna talk about today the investments before I get there Just want to talk a little bit about my morning routine because, like I said today, I didn't pick up my phone right away. Went through my, my morning about half an hour. As you can see, I put up my hair, a little man bun. Sometimes I just I like it better this way. It feels a little cleaner. It's almost as if I cut my hair, but I like my long hair, so I want to keep it. But it just keeps it out of my face, you know? Keeps it nice and neat. Obviously in the light you can see I got these little flyaways. Should probably get a little trim in the back too. You know, just, just clean it up a bit. It's starting to get a bit messy. That happens with long hair, you know. So, put a shirt on. I don't usually sleep in a shirt. I like to I like to be free. I wear pants usually while I sleep, you know, because I still live with my family, so just wanna be decent in case. Got to get out of bed quickly, so got my pajama pants. And over here, refilled my water because it was empty this morning. Went to go get a little thing of applesauce. I don't know if you actually saw it there. Maybe I'll flip the camera. Yeah. So applesauce, nice way to wake up too. Just something sugary. Like to eat sugar in the morning. Get the energy going. It's my bed. I haven't really made it yet. And the rest is same old, same old. Notice a bit more junk on the junk shelf. Call it junk, but all it really is is just my shirt from yesterday. And there's still snow outside. It's still winter. But at least it's slowly melting now. Now, let's get to business. Let's talk about that investing that I like to do. I've been doing it since I was 15. I always like to at least partially occupy my time with thinking about the future. I know more recently I've been trying to be more present in my life. It's helped me a lot, but I've always been kind of a dreamer, just wondering about what could be, wondering what could be better occupying my time with with the future you know so I've always been a big investor and uh, this morning I went and checked in on the prices of some of my investments now I'll tell you what they are later but I want to talk a little bit about that checking the prices of investments as if that's even gonna make a change to it I know some people are traders, and I've been there, I've done that, I've tried trading. I still do, for some of them, I like to just dabble, you know, keep up to date, see what's going on. Maybe I'll strike a breakthrough one day and realize, wow, this is incredible, this is a great way to make money, but never really liked it. Just eats away your time too much. It occupies you to the point of obsession, especially if you want to get really, really good at it. And I was pretty good at it for a time, but it was just 
constantly checking my phone for the price, constantly looking at charts, day, night, worrying about it. And I was missing my life because of it. It was just, everything was rushing by me. So, now I like to just invest passively. What I do is, I'll maybe spend a week, two weeks, not much more than a month, thinking about a certain investment I might make, doing research on it, checking it out, and just generally justifying why this might be a good idea. And that's an intense week or an intense two weeks. Just sorting through everything the company has to offer, thinking about what the company might be innovating, learning about all it does, what kind of help or change or product it's trying to bring to the world. And obviously, whenever I invest, I always have two questions. How much value is this company creating? And how is this company going to capture that value so that it can appreciate in value? And like I said, two weeks of just intense doing this research. And once I find that company, I buy it and that's it. I forget about it. I'll hold it for what I plan to be 10 years, 20 years, maybe some a lifetime, some of my investments. It could be a company. I'm saying company a lot, but to be honest, I haven't really invested much in companies recently. I've actually sold a lot of the companies I'm invested in and I've invested in something else. But like I said, again, we'll get into that later. It could just be anything. You can invest in any, you, you can, you can invest in, in people. Let's say you're a business owner. You can invest in your employees. Maybe your family. You can invest in the relationships you hold with that family. You know, I, I invest my time in keeping close with my mom and dad. I visited my grandma yesterday. That's an investment. Everything is an investment if you really think about it. But that's my mind kind of just floating off again. Let's, let's stay focused. Let's stay on the, the topic at hand here. Uh, yeah, so what do I invest in? Why do I do it right now? Right now I'm invested in cryptocurrencies and in Tesla. That's it. I had other investments and maybe we can go over why I had them some other time, but I've pretty much sold them all because they just don't run with my core philosophy anymore. And I guess that's why I occasionally do check the prices. Because sometimes I'll see what's going on. And the experienced trader in me sometimes knows just by the price movements that maybe the company is headed in the right direction. Maybe it's headed in the wrong direction. And then that'll kind of remind me to occasionally check into the company and see if it's still going down the path that I originally thought it was going down, right? Because no one actually knows what investments will do. You just kind of formulate your version of reality. You update it period periodically. You've got friends that can maybe challenge that, that model you've created of reality in your head. And you just update it. And then you compare. Is, is what your reality 
does that match what the company is actually doing, what your investment is actually, how it's performing? So yeah, I've, recently I've gone through that process a few times. Uh, you know what, let's, let's actually talk about it. So I used to own oil stocks. As you might know, I'm, I'm Canadian, so a big part of our economy is in the oil sector. And so I own some oil stocks, but I don't think that's where the world's headed anymore. You know, maybe, maybe this would have been a good investment 20, 30 years ago. But now, it's just, that's like, it's the way of the old world. Abusing the environment, just destroying it, you know, in, in, in every sense possible, from, from every... Every step of oil's life cycle, from extraction to burning it, you know, just everything is just, it's like a debt. It's like a debt we're taking on with Mother Nature. You know, she gave us this beautiful, beautiful resources, resource which allowed us to advance our civilization. But now, we've, we've gone a bit too far with it. And... Soon we're going to have to pay our debt off. So anyways, that's kind of the ethical background of why I decided to sell that. But on a more practical scale, I'm really concerned with, like, and this might sound crazy, really, really big gains. I think that there's opportunity out there that might blow some people's minds. This might sound really out there, but I look for those investments that produce thousand X gains, not thousand percent, thousand times. So take your portfolio and multiply it by 1000. If you invest a thousand bucks, you might get a million bucks back. That kind of stuff. Now I haven't found one of these yet. I came close. I had a hundred X not too long ago, but I think a thousand X is out there and I've seen it happen. I'm pretty sure I can find a way to reliably find these thousand X gains in the future. That's what I'm just waiting for now. That's the patience game, you know? So I was going to end it there, but inside, I know I've got to do a, a more deep dive into this kind of thing. So forgive me, this video might be way, way longer than the usual morning thoughts, but hey, I'm getting something special today. So let's, let's really, really dive into this investing. I'm going to talk a little bit about my old ways first. So why did I invest in those oil stocks? And I used to be invested in Suncor. That was the company. Now, you might argue, like, it doesn't really matter what the company is. I always sort of kept it more simple with my investments. I, I was investing in, in an idea rather than a single company, which is why I've usually diversified across many. But when I invested in Suncor, the way I saw it was I saw the world kind of centralizing very, very fast. And a lot of these large companies, large corporations were just buying up all of their competition and centralizing all of that power so that you'd get these very large monopolies in every center, uh, every sector of of the economy. So I thought, oh, you know, Suncor, they're by far the biggest in Canada. 
they're probably going to consume most Canadian assets in that sector, which is what they were doing. They were buying up their competitors' land during the oil crash. Everyone was struggling, and so the little guys were just being starved out of the game. And then the big guy would come along and say, hey, you know what, I'll toss you a penny and you can go live off of that. Meanwhile, I'll, I'll take your, your assets. A little favor here, you know. So that was what was going on. And my philosophy behind all of this was, well, if the oil price stays low, it's great, you know. I'm going to be able to move around for cheap. Planes are going to be cheap. Flights to Europe. Trains are going to be cheap. I mean, here we have more electricity, so maybe not as much. But if I were to, say, travel to the States where stuff runs more on, on diesel over there, their gas would be cheap. Basically, gas would be cheap. I'd be able to drive my car for cheap. So transportation would be cheap. Moving around would be cheap if the oil price stayed low. So I win there. And then to hedge against that, if oil price were to dramatically shoot up, suddenly this giant company that's acquired all of these assets and is in control of like most of the oil in Canada, which is a large chunk of the world, that company's value is going to go up. I win there too. Either way, my life gets better. And for a while, this is how I used to make my investments. Same thing, I used to own Bombardier. They came out with a fantastic new plane, the C-Series. Really, really loved the plane. I'm an engineer, you know, or engineering student, sorry. And I might drop out of that too. Ah, it's a story for another day, but, but yeah, so they had this fantastic new plane and I wanted to invest in it. I couldn't invest specifically in the plane. If I could, I would. And I was trying to find ways to just do that because the company itself, Bombardier, <clears throat> they've got problems. They've got many, many problems. They, they abuse their employees. They abuse their clients. They're always late. They never deliver products on time. Their products sometimes have issues. Like they're always these brilliant, brilliant products. They just made a new Metro, Metro car for our metro system here in Montreal. And they make trains and stuff for other cities. And, and they're beautiful. They're wonderfully designed things. But they always have like this little flaw, which could have been so easily solved if it wasn't for this gross management oversight. And that's really what's poisoning this company, their, their management. So I saw no other way to invest in this plane than to actually buy stocks in the company, which is what I did. And then, like I said, going by my old philosophy, if this plane were to fail, that either means, A, the company wasn't able to produce enough, because even that, you know, like somebody would have bought that plane out, because that plane is, I'm telling you, it's revolutionary. You're going to start seeing it all over the world in airlines soon. And if you don't, like I said, the only way this plane would fail is if a, comp if a competitor made a better plane. And it takes years to develop these planes, uh, like decades even for some. So a competitor isn't coming anytime soon. I know that. So like I said, this plane is going to succeed. And if it doesn't, well, that means something better came along, which, again, would have impacted my life in a good way. Just would have made air travel that much better. And I've flown on this plane. Uh, I think... I used it 
with the Swiss airline when I was flying around there. I think I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't really remember. It might've been an Airbus, but that's why I'm a bit confused because Airbus did buy out the plane. So they might've renamed it. It's a bit complicated. I, I should go back and check, but I do remember being on a pretty comfy Airbus and it was quiet. And maybe this was just, I don't know. Anyways. So yeah, that was, that was my reasoning there. If this plane succeeds, Bombardier is going to go way up in value and their company is just going to cycle off those profits and start maybe start a new product, start innovating that new product, make a next generation plane, make an even better uh, rail car system. You know, they're, they're, they are an innovative, innovative company. It's just their management that keeps them down. Yeah. So yeah, a bit of a cut there. Uh, my mom just came into my room, found this old shirt that I thought was lost for a long time, but it fell behind the washing machine. <laughs> Funny how those things happen sometimes. So yeah, back back to the topic at hand. Uh, the planes, right? And I was talking about Bombardier and their, their new product, how if it succeeds, it's this great plane that I get to fly on. It's going to make air travel cheaper because it's more efficient. It's going to make it faster because it's a small body plane and that seems to be the way that the industry is headed right now these more versatile smaller planes it's just better in every sense and if it fails that means something better came along which is better you know it's still better for life so i've always been playing my investments this kind of way but now now that i've gotten a taste of those very very like exceptionally large gains, stuff that's not in the 10%, 100%, you know, small multiple, some people like to double their money, triple their money. I'm not even looking for that because there's always risk involved. And, and this is where the game changer really, really hit me. There's always risk involved. And in a way, the risk can only get so low, like, the risk of Bombardier failing as a competitor comes along and they start selling zero planes, so it goes to zero. You can't really go below zero unless you start playing with debt, which is why I never play with debt. I never like to overdo it. I, there's just something wrong with debt. Like, you've always got to pay it off eventually. But yeah, so it can only go as low as zero. So for certain things, there's already kind of a maximum risk level involved. Now you could talk about percentage chances, like, oh, the chance of this going to zero is, is very low. The chance of this thing going to zero is way higher. Like if I invest in some startup company that works out of their shack and they're promising teleportation technology, there's a chance that that will go to zero. And that chance is probably higher than... Google going to zero. Now, of course, you can always argue Google might go to zero too. Who knows? Who knows? But zero is as low as it goes. So now you can find asymmetries because if something can only go so low, you look at the other end. How high can it go? And so if you look at companies, most companies 
might yield 5 10% growth a year. Some really aggressive growth companies might yield 30 50% a year, maybe double a year. If you start going over that with companies, then you're really really looking at like the the black swans of of the of the field. And they're out there. They're definitely out there. Like for example, like I said Tesla. I see huge potential in Tesla cuz they're they're game changers. But going beyond that, going into cryptocurrency. This is something that might really really change the world. Now, I'm not going to speculate on which one is going to win. I have ideas, but don't 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 trust me on that. You know, do your own research. Don't just blindly trust me. Don't just blindly trust anyone on the internet. There's so much fake information out there. So, I'm not going to say which ones I'm invested in yet. But going back to this idea of that huge reward and changing the game, that's that's what I'm interested in now. You know, it's not so much this, oh, well, either way I win. That, that, that's still there. If cryptocurrency fails, there's likely going to be a better system out there. And that's going to make banking better. That's going to make all of money better. Maybe it'll make investing obsolete. You know, maybe we won't need money anymore. We won't need to worry about all of this bullshit that money causes. Maybe our, our vision will just be able to manifest itself right away without needing to do all these middlemen things, you know, pay your employees, set up a company, uh, purchase, purchase things, contracts, maybe all of that will, will disappear in, in a moneyless system. But as long as we have money, there's, there's this new system coming and it's a decentralized system. It's one where responsibility is shared rather than offloaded onto a third party and then entrusted in that third party's uh, methods or whatever. But so long as it's centralized, that's one one point of failure. You know, people could be bought off. And if that third party involves people, that's your point of failure. You could bribe them. You can corrupt them. They can make mistakes. As long as there's humans involved, and as long as we're these imperfect machines perfect beings that's where it's going to fail and you can you can really get into this you know you could talk about how the banks have failed society how they've enslaved us into this monetary system but really boiling it down to as simple as it goes it's because we have these central authorities one one authority. And if that authority breaks, the whole system breaks. It's as simple as that. So suddenly comes along this math, which can do things very, very differently. Now you don't need to rely on this central authority anymore because it's decentralized, right? The responsibility is shared amongst many. So if one falls, 99 are there to stand. It's very, very different. Very different. Now we can have store value without somebody authorizing that store value. It just, the world agrees that 
that value is, is there. You can have money transfer without a third party verifying it because you've got not a third party, but like a million parties verifying it and all of them come together and agree on it. And there's consensus and there's competition and there's cooperation and it's just amazing. And I, I can only just begin to dream and imagine what's even going to be possible with this. You know, this is like a new internet in a way it's, or maybe it's just the internet following its natural path to connect humanity. It's just information flowing and money is just information and information doesn't, it doesn't like to be captured. You know, you, you look at scientists, they say entropy, well, information, heat, whatever it likes to, likes to disperse. It's going on a more metaphysical level. We've been trying to capture information, put it into these central authorities. Information doesn't like to be captured. It likes to flow freely. It likes to disperse. It likes to be decentralized. So this is just one way that information might be decentralized through the Bitcoin network or through Ethereum, you know. But yeah, this is this is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in these really, really revolutionary technologies, stuff that's going to change our world for the better, whether it works or whether it doesn't work. It's so powerful that it's going to change things. And I have a strong feeling that these changes are going to be for the better. Now, obviously, it depends on how you use them. Everything has two paths. You can go left, you can go right. One path might be right, one path might be wrong. But in here, in your heart, you know which is the right path.